0: Welcome to Legend Lore with Luis and Lauren, where we talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition.
1: I'm Luis, and I'm a senior developer at Paizo, working on the Pathfinder Lost Domains line. I've been playing tabletop RPGs for over 15 years, and I've written for dozens of Pathfinder products. I'm also the GM for Valiant, and I write the Monster Physique blog here on the No Direction Network
0: and i'm lauren i've been playing rpgs for coming up on 20 years not quite there yet i've contributed to multiple pathfinder blogs and podcasts and i'm currently working on a phd in the field of animal intelligence and this week we're talking about the saga lands
1: before we dive into it, I want to mention that although we know a lot about what we're talking about when, we, when it comes to Pathfinder, we want to remind you that we're not providing any kind of official answers for anything. We're here to offer advice, and you can use it however you like. Remember that the official word from Paizo is the only official ruling out there. But don't forget, it's your game. Do what works best for your table.
0: So, Luis, it's kind of nice to get back into a good old... Talking about the lore of the legends of Pathfinder, you know? Mm-hmm, it's nice to yes. get into to another good lore vid, uh, video, another good lore blog podcast. What's wrong with my words today?
1: <laughs> okay. uh, you might be cursed. There <laughs> might be some kind of dramatic legendary curse upon you.
0: A legendary curse, and such things are common in the Saga Lands, are they not?
1: Yes, I would say so.
0: What's particularly exciting about this is as... You know, only a handful of people know. You know, not many people know this.
1: I Very kinda obscure like, lore.
0: Yeah, I kind of like Vikings a little bit. You know, <laughs> I think they're pretty cool. And if you're gonna like Vikings and you're gonna play Pathfinder, you have to know about the Saga Lands. You know, and the, in particular, the land of the Lenorm Kings, which is part of the Saga Lands, and that's what mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about today for you guys now i've got here in my hands yeah i've got here in my hands the pathfinder lost omens world guide which is available to everybody we can all get this and read it and learn about it but what we can't all do is pick your brain for knowledge luis because this is like this is one of your babies isn't it
1: uh yeah that and all the lost omens book just like any parent will say uh they're all my favorites
0: Oh, is that true, though? Are they all um, your favorites?
1: But I kind of, eh, there's some way, definitely uh, will shill a lot more than <laughs> others.
0: <laughs> all right, deep cuts here, deep cuts, just for the listening fans. Which Lost Omens products are your favorites?
1: Well, I'm very particularly fond of the Mwangi Expanse book. Uh, we're so fond of it that we did three episodes on it, four <laughs> episodes? I can't remember.
0: A lot of episodes.
1: Covered a lot. Uh, Ancestry Guide is great. And uh, there's one that we just announced, actually, uh, called The Travel Guide, which I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, so check that out.
0: So first up on our list of Saga lands countries, we're going to talk about Erizen, which mm-hmm. I know a little bit about because I am running my players through Rain of Winter right now, but it's like sure. a two-week conversion of it. So here's what I know about Arizon. This is like pre-soviet russia right but instead of the Tsar, you've got these daughters of the baba yaga right? mm-hmm. and 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 everybody has to listen to them and they're kind of cruel and it's always winter and everything sucks there but they're still like a hardy people what else is going yeah. on there
1: yeah i mean i think that covers it uh i like to think of it as fantasy russia fairy tale russia right, Uh it's full of fae. There's a lot of face stuff going on, so fairies and other creatures end up being there, making it more a fairy tale. Um, the witches aren't just kind of cruel, they're very cruel. <laughs> <laughs> um, turns out when your mom is Baba Yagi, you tend to pick up some bad habits that kind of get trickled down to your descendants and everyone else that lives under you. Well, yeah, It's eternal winter. Uh, Baba Yaga showed up here at some point and the people that were originally living here, she kicked them out. There was a big war and she claimed the land for herself and suddenly it just became eternal winter. Winter just started and it hasn't ended in thousands and thousands of years. And she'll come back every 100 years or so and implement a, a, a new queen, another one of her daughters. And that's just a rough time for the people of Arison, but you, you can survive there as long as you don't cross any of the witches and are willing to deal with the dangers that you know, giant wargs or other fairy tale creatures can bring about.
0: Now, with all the fairy tale creatures running around and all covered in rime and frost, what kind, of, what kind of adventures might we see in Erizen?
1: Well, Irison is a perfect place for a kind of survival adventure. There's, there's lots of those, you know, go through a desert or survive on a deserted island or out at sea and stuff like that. But a winter survival, I think, is a real different type of survival that you can have. It's really interesting. Uh, you could also potentially try to reclaim Arisen for the people that used to live there and try to drive the witches out, which be, which would be really tough. Or you might, as you're doing, Lauren, run the Reign of Winter AP, which starts off in Arison, and that's got a heck of a connection to Baba Yaga and and its overall story.
0: My players are just about to confront their first White Witch, and oh, I don't think they're ready.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be a rough time. Is that the end of the... You know what? I won't ask because that'll go into spoilers for for people. I don't want to spoil anyone. Uh, yeah, But yes, I'll just say that things are rough in Arisen, and maybe you have a campaign as well where you are just trying to deal with the Fae that come about. You know, there's lots of deals that could happen, or you could have yourself be stolen away by Fae and have to return to Arisen, uh from a kind of first world equivalent of, of the land and, and travel through a, a Fae winter.
0: I think some obvious characters that could be from in would be someone who's a freedom fighter against the mm-hmm. the oppressive ice witches or on the other side you could have s- some apologist for the ice witches somebody who kind of drinks the kool-aid they buy into all the propaganda somebody yeah. who tries to stay out of politics i just do my best to survive in this hard mountain land
1: rangers and druids are obvious fits for the region you could play a witch It's the witch class. That's always good. Uh, When I played Reign of Winter, I played a witch who eventually was going to become a a winter witch. It was a really interesting dynamic where my character, by chance, happened to gain the powers of the winter witches and was going to use it against them.
0: And Baba Yaga is even one of the patrons of witches, so you can specifically (laughs) pick her as your patron.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or with... you know what, I, I won't mention this, but there's some stuff that's happened after Rain of Winter that has kind of changed Irison into an even more interesting area. Uh, check those out if you're willing to. The the book talks a little bit about them. Um, and there's been some adventures now in 2E that it, take place in Irrisin and include lots of interesting developments uh, after the AP has taken place.
0: Next up on our stop in the Saga lands is the Land of the Lindorm Kings. This one... Yeah, you know, it gets barely one page worth of content in the World Guide. Mm-hmm. Is there just not a lot written about this place?
1: There is a lot written about it, but the problem is the Saga Lands is one of those regions that's had a lot of changes with first edition. Varicia is the home of four or five different APs, so there's a lot to talk about there. There's a, a, a new nation, and there's just a lot of stuff going on, so it unfortunately just had to cram as much as it could in a little amount of space but if you're really wanting some land of the lindorm kings info there is a first edition campaign setting book 64 pages on on the region so you can get a lot of that there and most of that information hasn't changed but yeah land of the lindorm kings is great just west of Arison, where all the people got kicked out because baba yaga won her war and forced them out and took her her, her place in, in Arison. what's left is still an enormous region a a frontier of tundra and ice and snow Uh, lots of islands as well and it's a a a harsh environment but people make it because there are lots of bastions uh, of civilization there are big settlements big cities throughout each of course uh, ruled by their own linorm king
0: now i think the linorm kings are such a really cool idea that you can own your own little piece of land. You can have these people and these vassals that that are yours if you can go out and single-handedly kill this Lenorm dragon. Mm-hmm. You know? That is such a cool piece of lore, and it really informs this whole kind of Nordic spirit of the strongest will survive. The strongest are fit to rule.
1: Or sometimes the most clever are fit to rule. Uh, if you look at uh, White Estrid, who's one of the Linorm kings, she didn't kill her Linorm, but she won its trust and now works with the, the Linorm and has defeated a Linorm in a sense. It, it doesn't doesn't attack or anything, but it's not necessarily a kill, but it's also a really interesting loophole that she found where she has defeated, she has uh, put an end to this uh, Linorm's cruelty and tyranny. But it's also now her ally.
0: I particularly liked one of my favorite things about the Land of the Kings was all of the obvious callbacks to things that we saw from real history, like talking about one of the Northern Kings from Ice Mark, and how another one went on a quest to join his his family in the afterlife at Valenhall. You know, mm-hmm. these are such obvious calls. And, and then, my my favorite of these. Is how it talks about how it's so hard to farm in this rocky, icy tundra. So a lot of different clans started raiding. They started stealing food. While others are trying to, instead of steal, they're trying to learn trading. And you have all these different pockets just doing the things that the actual ancient Nords did to survive. And I, mm-hmm. just, I just love a nod to history. A nod to history makes me happy. And there's another yeah. weird nod, nod in here. Ostog the unslain. Is this yes. not is this not Eric Mona's character?
1: It absolutely is. Uh turns out when you're the publisher uh of Pathfinder, you get to kind of occasionally have your character from your, your campaign at the office get elevated to actual canon, become an actual inarm king and, and carve out your own little kingdom in the region. Very cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Talk about goals, you know.
1: Yes. Um I won't say if I've done something similar having run the Lost Omens line, but I know I know some of the inspiration for, for a lot of the characters that have ended up in these books, and it's it's really fun. One of the little perks of working at Pisos is that you can occasionally name-drop characters from your home campaigns or port them over.
0: So there's an obvious story that can be told here in the land of the Lindorm Kings as mm-hmm. a band of adventurers or like one adventure, and, and the, her friends or something, try to rise in honor and power to defeat a linorm and become a linorm king.
1: Yes. You can in have a whole saga about it. You could. This land is is ripe for sagas. Um, I think in particular, this would be a great spot for a solo campaign because the rules are that, to become a Linorm king and gain your own kingdom. You have to one-on-one solo fight a Linorm. You can't do it as a party. It doesn't count if you have anyone with you. It's just you and Linorm. So this would be a perfect way to build that up and eventually uh, earn your kingdom uh, after slaying a Linorm on your own as a single player one-on-one campaign.
0: I think as a GM, it'd be fun to work with that player and kind of see what tactics they bring to the table before the fight. You know mm-hmm. nobody says you have to fight it fair right you know you can yeah. sneak up on it and or poison it or whatever you need to do and that'd be really interesting to see how the player handled that challenge
1: yeah and one thing that hasn't been ported over to 2 e just yet but was a thing that we added in, in first edition is a rule that says no other people can help you but if you have an animal companion it's still valid <laughs> so there was there was a specific fighting style uh, because the the teamwork uh, and style tech uh, style feats in one e. complimented this there was a specific linorm hunter fighting style where you worked with your animal companion to flank and get extra bonuses and and stuff because you were training with your wolf or or your bear or whatever to take down a linorm just the two of you together
0: what are some can you think of any other interesting adventures that might come up here
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. So there's still a lot of fey stuff going on. There's, there's the stuff with the Irison which is you might decide, oh, we're going to band the kingdoms together and go take back Irisin. Uh, there's a lot of Norse mythology you can draw from. There's, you know, the creatures like Draugr and trolls and stuff. But, you know, ancient runes can, can lead to things. You might choose to try to travel to Valen Hall yourself, which would be an adventure all on its own. One idea I think would be fun is if you played the child of someone who became a Linorm king but didn't get a chance to fully establish their kingdom you become the king you know you, you become the heir and you had to kind of play kingmaker but out in the lands of the Linorm kings instead and establish your kingdom and build it out and claim the lands for the re- for for yourself which would be particularly fun especially cuz the the islands there's an archipelago of islands in the southwest region of uh, the lands of the Lidorm kings that are very much unclean. There's not m- much going on there. So that'd be a cool thing. Kingmaker on islands. Also, it's Norse and Vikings.
0: That's kind of what I was thinking about too. The land, It'd just be a great region to kind of build your kingdom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's neat that you came up with that too. Some kinds of characters from this setting. I think as I've demonstrated on legend lore, you can have any kind of Viking you want. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there, there's... <laughs> Every, every base class can be a Viking. Um, y- y- you name it, right? Anybody who mm-hmm. who's ready to have ambition and raid and be honorable and fight would just be a great fit for the land of the Linorm Kings.
1: It's a great place for Skalds. Uh, I mean, you'd be a bard in 2E, but call yourself a Skald. It'd be fun to be someone who's actually not the hero, but the one that's following along to watch the person trying to claim the Linorm King title you know you're the guy that, that chronicles the the saga of this person and how they fought the linorm and stuff like that you are the witness It'd be I pretty think, interesting
0: I think there's some interesting stories to tell about you know, even even doing a party game, but this one character is the one who's going to rise. You know, mm-hmm. and even at the end, having them just form a circle around this character in this linorm and they just watch and chronicle. I think there's some really good stories to be told for a lot of people yeah. there.
1: Uh, a good thing about uh, the other books that have come out for Lost Omens is that there has been a bit more love for Lands of the linorm Kings since this book has come out. Lost Omen Legends details three of the Linorm Kings in the region. So you get to learn the history of two of the new ones and White Estrid. So you can learn a lot about that. And Monsters of Myth details Fafnir, which is the the ultimate Linorm. He's the the level 24 king of all Linorms, or father of all Linorms. And that has details on, on his history and a possible campaign that takes you from first level to 20th level to become the ultimate Linorm Slayer.
0: I guess, yeah. If you kill Fafnir, do you get to be the Linorm Emperor or something?
1: Yeah, you get to rule the entire lands. At least that's what everyone says. If anyone manages to kill Fafnir, they become the ruler of the entire lands of the Linorm Kings.
0: I wonder if they'd give you a pass on using a party for that. I mean, level 24. You can't even go past level 20.
1: Yeah. So It'd it'd be interesting. It'd be a really tough, really epic campaign worthy of the sagas of the region.
0: Now, you're going to have to help me out as we venture on to New Thassalon, because mm-hmm. one of my critical flaws as someone who, who is involved in Pathfinder is that I've never played Rise of the Rune Lords, and I really don't know all that much about it.
1: Well, the first thing I'll say is I am going to get into spoilers about some 1E APs, because it's kind of inevitable. New Thassalon's existence is already a spoiler, uh, but. Won't get into too much. Uh I too have never played through Rise of the Rune Lords. Not for a lack of trying though. I think that's a campaign I've tried to put together five or six times and it always falls apart. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Rise that I couldn't complete. Because I'm someone who's gotten through eight different APs. No, actually, as of this week, nine different APs. So there's something about Rise of the Rune Lords that must be cursed. But you know, on, if yeah. you
0: have the time. Maybe that's a podcast we put together for the adventurous crew.
1: Could. Uh, it'd be a fun thing to convert to 2E just because there's so much content for it and so so much support. I'm sure it'd be very easy to get it over to 2E. Um, but New Thassalon isn't a result of the rise of the Rune Lords AP, it's actually a result of the return of the Rune Lords AP, one of the last ones ever for first edition. But it is kind of a culmination of this Rune Lords saga that was going on with multiple APs. And long story short, the the Kingdom of Ancient Thassilon existed ten thousand years ago and and kind of wiped away during Earthfall. But that was where Rune Lords and lots of magic and stuff was going on, and, and there's lots of ruins left over. Throughout the region because of this ancient empire that used to exist, but wouldn't you know it? At some point during that AP, some rune lords returned, and the the rune lords that have returned have staked a claim in the Saga Lands and reclaimed their old cities, their their former cities, and created a new nation. This new nation of Neath thaslan that is trying to bring forward the the teachings and, and lifestyles of Aslan, you know brings back the ancient magics and all the stuff that that used to exist uh but updated for the modern day and in some cases even includes people that were actually alive in ancient Thassalon and through some weird stuff going on with time are now in the have been displaced to modern day so new Thassalon is essentially what Thassalon used to be but hey it's back again it, it, it used to be here, and now somehow by chance, all of these Thassalonian things exist again. So it's a land that's ruled by two, two Rune Lords Rune Lord Sortian, who is the, the, the Rune Lord of Lust, and um, Rune Lord um,
0: Bellamarius, I
1: think. Yes, Bellamarius, who is the Rune Lord of Envy. They each rule a city and are kind of trying to reestablish. The, the feel of Thassalon and, and the, the foothold of Thassalon in this region that once used to belong to them. And we'll see what happens with that, but it's a place full of ancient, powerful magic. It's got very powerful rulers. And uh, I think there's a lot of hesitation, trepidation about what does this mean for the region. But I- in the short term, it just means there's suddenly a lot of ancient knowledge that has been resurfaced and is now available again.
0: Now, if you played a lot of first editions, and you've been through multiple APs in this kind of region. What stories would even be left to tell here, right?
1: Well, it turns out trying to figure out what the future holds is a, a big part of it, right? They're, the fact that the Rune Lords exist and one of them at the very least is trying to, trying to be good again and, and trying to change her, her outlook on life and, and work to be a better person. It's already a story for you right there. Rehabilitation and helping her out. Uh, helping sourcing out is a big one uh trying to deal with the displaced people people who've been uh, suddenly thrust forward in time and and acclimate them to the modern day or trying to recover ancient knowledge answer the ancient secrets that have been left as questions for thousands and thousands of years maybe now's your opportunity to finally clear up some of those ancient questions
0: i wonder about going out into the wilds and trying to rediscover things that were lost to old Thessalon, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe reclaim some of that glory, reclaim some of that knowledge, some of those artifacts. That might yeah, be some interesting home. stories.
1: Absolutely. Or um, you might think that having Rune Lords as neighbors is not worth the risk, and you got to go put an end to that and try to take down Sortion and or uh and that's a whole campaign in and of itself taking out an, another Rune lord or two
0: now obviously some wizards would be some <laughs> easy characters to make from these lands any kind of yep. studious uh s- well scholar a studious scholar yes uh, yeah <laughs> uh
1: in particular secrets of magic introduced a class archetype for the wizard wouldn't you know it, it happens to be called Rune lord. So you can play a Rune Lord who lives in New Thassalon, which is pretty cool. Uh, you could also be someone that has been touched by the rune magic, but isn't necessarily a magical class. You can be a fighter or a barbarian that has some kind of innate magic, and that can be represented via archetype or some multi-classing or uh, ancestry feats. So that's always fun. And I think uh, archaeologist is a perfect fit for New Thassalon as well.
0: This really makes me kind of want to go all-in on the Rune Lord and take the Rune Lord wizard side, but also Mm -hmm. go down the Rune Scarred dedication, you know? Yep. Just really go all-in on it.
1: Yeah. You know, become a living Rune by the end of it.
0: Yeah, that's right. And then I think one of... Second to last stop here, one of the reasons I think we even picked the Saga Lands for this episode was the Realm of the Magic Lords, because I hear there's a new AP coming out. Quest for the Frozen Flame, is it?
1: That's it. The Realm of the Mammoth Lords is home to the Quest for the Frozen Flame AP. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's a uh, kind of primordial, uh, not exactly like caveman style, but it's very much um, a low-tech style uh, adventure where you play part of a, uh, a tribe in the realm of the Mammoth Lords who has to kind of deal with a a warring tribe and escape and find a a place uh, that you can call home. And along the way, wouldn't you know it, there's a frozen flame or at least some kind of flame-based artifact that comes into play. You have to learn about it and and deal with the the repercussions that finding a powerful artifact means for a a group of people like you.
0: And these are a cool realm because like you said, it's not quite like Caveman, but it is Mm -hmm. more these nomadic barbaric tribes. I think of maybe maybe like um hmm, like pre-medieval like germanic maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. except it's very cold. They're riding around on these these mastodons and these mega sloths and these mammoths.
1: It's definitely a land uh like a living ice age living kind of prehistory yeah, dinosaur era almost land cuz there are Mammots. They're like saber-toothed tigers. They are dinosaurs uh, about so lots of megafauna, lots of dangers of nature, but also lots of opportunities to fight enormous creatures or, or claim the, the trust of, of, like you said, a, a mammoth. That's where the mammoth lords come from. There are people who ride these mammoths and, and ride them in the battle and are kind of masters of combat astride these enormous beasts.
0: And then you have, what happened to the frost Giants? You know, we've been fighting them forever as long as we know, where did they go?
1: Yeah. Uh, A a big opportunity to kind of also touch on, like, these more primal themes. This is a a great place for druids and and just, like, ice magic or fire magic. You know, just very, very stripped down. You don't need... uh, you know, guns or, or heavy armor or anything. It's just you and the wilds and, and your companions.
0: Yeah, and obviously we could get some really good barbarians to come out of here, fighters, mm. rangers too. Yep. Yeah, All kinds of Absolutely.
1: characters. As for campaigns, I mean, there's Quest for the frozen flame already, but there's also the the deal with the frost giants, there's, there's Jarl, uh, Nargarak who's kind of the leader of the, the frost giants. And, um, he, he's probably just kind of biding his time to have the, the frost giants return and, and reclaim the land. So the frost giants returning and, and an all out war between the giants and, and the peoples of the land is kind of a, a ripe opportunity for just a heck of a war. You know, everyone is astride on, on, on mammoths or saber-toothed tigers or, or, you know, it's just a, a really interesting look for, for a fantasy.
0: And what would be interesting about that, we could tie that again with that classic winter survival trope. Mm-hmm. And then you now have the intersection of that as far as war goes. Maybe the frost giants are taking out logistical outposts and vice versa. There's all kinds yeah. of neat, neat war stories you you could tell there.
1: Yeah. And it's also, I think, a good spot to kind of call upon ancient powers, ancient gods. Maybe there's forgotten gods about the area or just powers that have left untouched for thousands of years because, you know, maybe it, uh, a former tribe that's now wiped out had it kind of like the, the frozen flame is, is being referenced in the the AP, but you know, f- uh, a lost power that you can find again. And no one has found it because people don't really explore or settle. They just kind of move between the regions where they know it's safe. So stepping out into the, the dangerous areas of the, the region can maybe really be uh, rewarding for, for adventurers.
0: If I'm not mistaken, I do think that nomadic tribes uh, used to have their routes that they would mm-hmm. take, you know, yeah. So it, it it would be fun to move off of those. Last on our stop through the Saga lands is Varicia, which seems to be like the main home of old Baselon.
1: Yeah, it was the birthplace of uh, of Pathfinder, I would say. The very first Pathfinder product, Burnt Offerings, but took place in Varisia and and detailed that region first before the rest of the setting kind of got fleshed out around it. It's the home of let me look here looking at my shelf there's one two three four five looks like six or seven different ap's in first edition's life plus countless adventures and and scenarios so it's kind of the place for pathfinder it's a big frontier land where there's ancient ruins and pockets of civilization a, a perfect adventuring area um that is just kind of your Typical, Not like medieval fantasy, but I think it's definitely like more akin to Tolkien's uh, Middle Earth in that there's large expanses of, of frontier, there's, there's plains, there's forests, there's lots of places for adventuring uh, up in the mountains, and then small pockets of, of civilization and settlements where you can kind of get that urban feel if you need it, but know that the, the world is still kind of dangerous out uh, beyond these these borders.
0: I love the way the art shows all these ancient Thessalonian structures, too. Like the big bridge the Irspin, which is mm-hmm. just this just huge, colossal bridge over top of this city. Which, which city is this? I don't think it's Riddleport. I don't think this is yeah, Sandport. it's the city. Uh,
1: it's Magnamar.
0: Magnamar. That's right. And then you have all these just classic Pathfinder cities in here. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly, this is just like, if you had to, say... Which, which place is Pathfinder? I think you would go with Varysia.
1: Yeah. yeah, And, and it, it's a great spot because it, it happens to offer a lot of the different environments that you would find in adventuring. It doesn't have deserts, and I wouldn't say it has a jungle, but all the other typical fantasy stuff. You got forests, you got your plains, you got your mountains, you got snowy mountains, you got um, kind of... Um, drier arid plateaus and stuff a lot of opportunities to to do adventures in, in a lot of different regions and they're, they're all in that same spot of the world so you don't have to travel very far uh, and, and worry about oh you know is there going to be an opportunity to go up into the mountains and this now you you have so many chances for for adventures here
0: and being as you know typical as it is that means the kind of adventures you can have here are just limitless Like, like what kind of fantasy adventure do you want to have? Sure, let's maybe do that in Verizia, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a great sandbox or a great open, a blank canvas for you to kind of copy and paste whatever homemade adventure you want to have in here.
1: Absolutely. I actually once took an AP that was set in, it was one of the Dungeon Magazine APs that was originally kind of envisioned for Greyhawk. And transplanted it to Vericia. And once you know it, it had a spot for all of these different adventure locations with very minimal effort. Just change the names of the cities. Uh, this takes place in Sandpoint instead of uh, this other place. And that's it. It was super easy to, to transplant a lot of stuff. And that's kind of a nice thing. It's a very broad strokes adventure area, but still has a lot of details and, and its own feel uh, going on here. And
0: similarly, the kind of characters you might see from here um adventurers <laughs> <Like, laughs> yes. and anyone who would make a good pc character might be from varicia
1: absolutely there was a book about varicia a player companion book and it subtitled uh birthplace of legends so like anyone can be really from varicia and go out and adventure into the world and you got spots for all kinds of things except for maybe like gunslingers but even still there's there's lots of connections to the ocean so you can say oh i just arrived here on the boat now i'm the gunslinger in the area and you're still pretty set
0: i i like to come up with justifications for gunslinger because it is everywhere you go is is you know at least pretty typically fantasy right but i Mm -hmm. feel like as long as you've got a port you can trade at you can reasonably say i bought a gun i think
1: yes absolutely
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Luis, these have been some mighty fine tales and sagas from the Saga Lands, but it looks like that's all we have for you today. If you like this show or any of other blogs or shows, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash no direction because it's the support of our patrons that make this all possible.
1: Until next time, I'm Luis. And I'm Lauren. Thanks for listening to Legend Lore. And as always, it's been Legendary. Hi Nova, (laughs) excuse me, I gotta have her out of here, one sec, fun cat cameo.